Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your new daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I am Kyle Tucker, longtime Kentucky beat writer, formerly a colleague of our guest today, uh, and coming soon to a website near you. Until then, we'll be right here, and even after then, we'll be right here. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we will talk about it every day, Monday through Friday, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As Kyle just mentioned, we have a guest today. It is John Hale of the Courier Journal. Insert noise of everyone clapping and cheering right here. Um, we are going to break down the Kentucky-Florida game. Then we're going to talk some quarterbacks, and we're going to wrap with a little bit of basketball talk. Thanks for joining the podcast, John. Appreciate it. Uh, I like how Kyle says we were colleagues. That was like a hot minute before he, he bounced and, and left me. <laughs> I recruited John, recruited John to the CJ and rolled up out of there. That's right. We've right. done that a couple times. All right, John, it's Florida week. Uh, 31 in a row. Kyle and I foolishly, I don't know, maybe foolishly. I guess we'll find out after this week. It might be gen- geniusly. Picking ingeniously. Kentucky to win the game. All right, talking to the offensive players the other day, talking to Mark Stoops. Do you what do you what are your overall just thoughts? How Kentucky has kind of taken another year of this Florida streak? Yeah, I, th- I think for this team, it's more about last year and maybe the last you know three or four years than it is about thirty one in a row. Obviously, I mean when you take that that game a year ago with the two uncovered receivers, the holding penalty, which took them out of field goal range at the end. Obviously, that weighs on a lot of these people's minds. I know C.J. Conrad yesterday after practice talked about how long it took to get over that and how it sticks with the whole team and they use that as motivation, obviously. So I don't – I mean, obviously these guys, especially the in-state guys like Cash Daniel, Drake Jackson, know about the streak. They want to be the team that ends the streak. That's something that every Kentucky team, every Kentucky player, I think, uses motivation to some extent. But for this specific group, they've been so close so many times recently. A guy like Dorian Baker – was actually, I think he's the only guy left from that 2014 game in Gainesville, the three-overtime game. So he almost beat him that time. He almost beat him last year. There was like a 14-9 to game there in, in 2015, and then they obviously got embarrassed the last time they went to Gainesville. So there's a lot of recent history that I think this current team can use as motivation against Florida. Uh, but obviously the streak plays into this to some extent. They know, they read, they see what everybody tweets. Um, it's certainly something that's on their mind. That's what we, we actually, the kind of the point we made, that, you know, the trash talk, does the trash talk motivate them or whatever from Florida saying there'd be 32 players in and it'll be 32 in a row. And I, that was my point. It, if you were on the team last year, you don't need anything else to motivate you because that's as bad, kind of as bad of a beat as you get. Um, but one thing we didn't talk about on this podcast because it hadn't—I don't think it had happened or come out yet, or at least I hadn't seen it. Maybe probably Curdy, Curtis hadn't seen it. Curdy, Curdy, oh Curdy over there. Uh, more. I mean, I feel like trash talk is like the is like the um, the theme of the early college football season, including Kentucky. Uh, a guy for Florida says, you know, he's not that impressed by Benny Snell again, two weeks in a row, and that you know, hey, we faced Sonny Michelle, and if he's better than him, he's going to have to show me or something like that. Uh, I did I, like the reply to that tweet where they had the stats from Sonny Michelle and Benny Snell. Yeah, but although the counter argument, even though Benny outrushed him, was it was like on a hundred more carries. So, uh, okay. but obviously Benny's one of the best running backs in the SEC in the country. Uh, we talked about this idea of is is even bulletin board material really a thing? But John, I wonder. You know Benny really well. 
I think it's like an individual case. Yeah. Uh, I think certain individuals really do. Even if it's not real, they try to find it and use it and put a chip on their shoulder. Benny seems like one of those guys that maybe if you're talking about individual trash talk, when you talk about him, that does maybe light a fire. Yeah, 100%. I think that's true. I, I, I listened to you guys on the podcast yesterday. Um, Thank you, John. And, and I know you mentioned Michael Jordan is one of those guys, and I think Benny is the exact same. We talked a lot about it at SEC Media Days this summer with him, dating back to when he was in high school and when Ohio State, he grew up an Ohio, St- Ohio State fan. I think he went to high school like 15 miles from Ohio State's campus and just really got no recruiting interest from them at all. I think his dad told me once that maybe – they came in late in the process and contacted him to see if he would be interested in playing safety in college, which is obviously something he wasn't interested in. Uh, so he took, took that. He took his recruiting rankings. He said he still remembers going to camps and thinking he was the best running back at camps and not getting the like running back of the camp awards or whatever and seeing other guys rated higher than him. He uses that as motivation. He comes to Kentucky and obviously uh, individually and the program has maybe not got the respect that everybody else that he thinks he deserves so he's a guy who absolutely uses that stuff and i am certain that after we told him about the uh, the central michigan comments last week because i don't know that he knew about it when curtis asked him at the press conference after offense interviews but i guarantee within an hour he was on twitter looking it up <laughs> and, and finding out what's going on and, and when you're sick in the hospital that morning and, and think well maybe they can get through central michigan without me maybe that guy's comments uh, had a little bit to do with it and i'm sure this Florida thing, he uh, he probably hears that too, and, and will use a little bit more. You're right that I don't think he needs more motivation, but he's certainly a guy who who keeps a list in his mind or whatever, and and, and you know racks up everyone that he can. And it should uh, be noted we didn't get a chance to talk to Benny Snell after offensive practice when offense was available because he had a conflict. Um, but Eddie Grant was asked of how Benny was doing, and he said, "quote Fantastic." So I'm guessing there's no lingering issues with the illness going forward with Benny Snell. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I switch trade quotes with uh, Edgar Thompson, who works for the Orlando Sentinel during Florida Week every year, and he sent me the the Chauncey Gardner Johnson stuff about the thirty two game streak year two. And it's always kind of dangerous to to read too much into these transcripts you, you share with other writers because sometimes the questions aren't one hundred percent accurate, and that's how things jump out. I remember that JoJo Kemp comment. Uh, yep. His Stoops first year, second year. He said that to us after practice, and we didn't really even much think about it. It was kind of an offhand thing, but somebody in Florida got a transcript, and it made it a much bigger deal. And so it's funny, but after the street question, uh, according to this transcript, somebody asked Chauncey Gardner-Johnson about his thoughts on Benny Snell, and he says, you said the running, best running back in the SEC? And somebody said, well, that's what he says. And he's like, oh, well, he's a good player. I don't take nothing from him. But it was clear that he, he did not necessarily agree with that best running back in the SEC thing. So I'm sure Benny has probably noticed some of this talk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he ran for 125 yards after spending the morning in the hospital. So um, I'm curious to see. This will be a good test, too. I mean, it's not like he needs to prove himself. He's already done it against good competition. But uh, if he is healthy um, against a Florida defense that didn't give up really anything, but they didn't really play anybody uh, last week. So, All right, we're going to get into the quarterbacks a little bit here next. But first, I want to let you guys know the wait's nearly over. Football is here and well, actually, so the wait is over. Football is here, and that means it's fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. 
If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everybody, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe me? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team each week, and you can't reuse that team again the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so you only got a few more days. So don't miss out on this chance and sign up now. I'm pumped to play in this uh, Survivor Pool. Just made my pick a couple days ago, so you should be too. To get into the free $250,000 Survivor Contest, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Uh, John, we got to talk to the quarterbacks yesterday or I don't know what day it is, and people listen to the podcast day after. So after after practice, Tuesday. and I'll tell an anecdote. I don't anecdote. I don't know if you noticed this, but when Eddie Grant was talking, did you see Logan Stenberg walking around the field? I saw him out there. Okay, so he was walking around the field, and Terry Wilson and Gunnar Hoke were waiting off to the side, and Logan was walking by, and he barks at him, and he goes, because they were joking with each other, and he goes, can't you guys at least act like you hate each other? <laughs> <That's pretty funny. laughs> and uh, that kind of showed, you know, the relationship when we when we got to talk to him. I thought they were both very, you know, complimentary of each other. You know, they complimented each other a ton. Yeah, I'm sure that that UK has done their their work prepping both those guys to answer the question. But it's an interesting spot, especially for Gunner, who uh, waited his turn for two years and then sits there and watches. Jaron Williams decommit and say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. We still have Gunnar Hoke. But then Kentucky does everything possible to go out and get Terry Wilson, to another quarterback, to come in and compete for the job. And and maybe some guys could have their feelings hurt by that. Maybe they could take it the wrong way. But it appears he has not. Um, I thought it was interesting the way Mark handled the quarterback questions Monday. Uh, I just assume, I mean, Terry was number one on the depth chart. It's clear he's probably going to start again. But then my editor afterwards was like, did Mark ever actually say that he was starting? And I was like, well, no, he, he didn't say that. And then they didn't bring him to the podium yesterday, which is what they normally do. So paranoid me starts thinking, maybe this is not as clear as it was. Because I, I always think back to that the last time Kentucky ended one of these streaks against Tennessee in 2011. That whole week, uh, we were told that Max Smith, I think, was healthy, that there was no issue at quarterback. We talked to Matt Roark on that Tuesday of offense day or whatever, and no one ever mentioned anything about the quarterback, and they were just lying to us for the entire week, which is understandable. Different staff. Different staff, but you didn't know about it. And, and it was the only way that that was going to work is if nobody knew That's beforehand true. that Matt Roark was going to play quarterback. And it still only barely worked. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And so I get paranoid about these things sometimes, but then Gunner talking yesterday said, I know my role, I know what i got to do, and so I don't think there's any reason to expect there's something crazy coming on Saturday, but it does appear both those quarterbacks are in a pretty good frame of mind after the first game. And Mark also talked about not wanting to have a short leash with exactly. the starter and you know, so that would be an odd it would be an odd reversal of stance for him. What did you make, you know, of both of their their play overall? I mean, I think uh, many fans kind of just got caught up in the one drive from Gunnar Hoke and you know, in the second half he wasn't that great at all. Yeah, I, I will acknowledge the fact that I have been uh, in the camp since basically the spring that I thought Terry Wilson was far and away their best opportunity to have a dynamic offense because of the other things he can do. So maybe there's a little bit of you know confirmation bias in this. But to me, Gunner came in and led him down to a touchdown drive, which you, you can't take that away from him, but he almost threw an interception on the second or third pass of that drive. Uh, basically two of those completions – 
were because Central Michigan was playing prevent defense and was just letting you have the underneath, you know, 15-yard route or whatever. But he makes the touchdown pass when he's going to get, you know, the crap knocked out of him on a hit and, and hangs in there and does it. So more power to him. But then you mentioned those two drives in the third quarter were ugly. I mean, he I think he was one for four for like two yards. He had Dorian Baker open for a third down conversion, didn't hit him. And all those other things, the run game wasn't working. And so for me, that pretty much showed that, yes, Gunner can move the ball. He can do things. He That two-minute drill looked you know, really good, was really successful. But I did not see anything in the first game, even with Terry's four turnovers, three turnovers were his, one from Lynn Bowden, that made me think that that was not the best opportunity they have to develop that offense. Obviously, there's growing pains. He's got it. If he turns the ball over three times every week, that's not going to work. But assuming that doesn't happen and he gets better, he gets more comfortable, I'm still pretty firmly in the camp that I think that's the best best option for them. Yeah, and Terry, Darren Henshaw mentioned it right after the game, and then I, I followed up with, with Terry, uh, and he said that the sleeve, right. they made him take the sleeve off, which I talked to a couple of people who played football, and they got kind of, oh, that's not a nice excuse. Still, there's no reason to fumble. But I think just him being aware and him, him kind of explaining, I thought Stoops did it, and I think they did to a certain extent that, you know, while the, obviously the turnovers were bad, there were kind of reasons, and it seemed like, I mean, Mark Soups didn't come out and say it, but they felt like Taven Richardson was could have been, there could have been a flag for pass interference right. on the one, and he would have had a chance to catch that, if, or at least break it up if he wouldn't have been kind of contacted a little bit and tripped in the end zone. And and to me, I, I, we haven't asked Mark this, probably should Thursday or, or Eddie Grant, but not only was the, the interception that he threw – that was going to Lynn Bowden, the one he got hurt on, that was a terrible decision. He shouldn't have thrown that. But there was kind of a bigger issue in terms of uh, they threw it to Lynn Bowden once and he fumbled for a loss. I think there was at least one more, maybe two more completions to Bowden that either went for like one yard or an actual loss of yards. So I don't really know what the read was there. Uh, They've said that Terry was a little confused as to when to run, when to throw. Uh, But to me, if that was your option at least three times in the game, a play that was basically going to get no yards – uh, there's something else going on there that they need to work through, too. Uh, were you kind of surprised that Lynn Bowden didn't have as much production as you know many people anticipated him coming into the season? He was going to be one of the big playmakers on offense. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was definitely worrisome. Uh, I will have to say at this point that listening to your guys' podcast, I don't think that Kyle is giving David Bouvier enough respect. <laughs> but, but I do think that it's probably not your best-case scenario that David Bouvier is your leading receiver every week, week in and week yes, out. thank you. <laughs> uh, I think if, if if Bouvier puts up the numbers he did Saturday, I think sure, that's perfectly respectable, not? but there should be other guys putting up more numbers than that each week, and Lynn Bowden's one of those guys. I think if they don't throw it to C.J. Conrad more than they have to date, it's gonna, I asked Vince Merrow this last week, basically, if you get through another year – and CJ just does what he's done so far, which is really good. It's obviously got him on a lot of high on draft boards. Is that a missed opportunity? And he was like, rah, rah, rah. And you see where he's ranked in the NFL. We know what he can do. We know what he wants. But for me, if he doesn't have a Jacob Tammy type receiving year before he leaves Kentucky, that's a complete waste of, of four years, regardless of how good he is as a blocker and all those other things. They got to throw it to him more. They got to get Bowden involved. They got to have Dorian Baker and Taven Richardson make plays down the field. Uh, and, and that just wasn't happening, and part of it's because they didn't run enough plays, which is something Eddie always says. But uh, moving forward, they definitely need to get those their best players the ball more often in the passing game. Yeah, it's, kind of, a, it's kind of a shame for some of those guys, and I think C.J. Conrad in particular, 
that he hasn't had a ton of quarterback continuity, right? Because he's had several different guys, and, and he had Steven two Johnson. different he had two for, different versions of Stephen yeah, Johnson for an entire you know? season. Couldn't hit a tight end, right? So. I, or could probably barely lift his arm. I mean, the, the yeah. second half of last season, there was no passing game, right, um, for anyone. And now he's got a new guy whose probably biggest strength is either chuck a deep ball or or take off and run and. So where does that leave him? I mean, it's possible he gets out of this his career without having ever having that big year, and, and that would be a shame. I think it, I think it's very much to do with sort of the uh, up and down nature of their quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't have any doubts that CJ could make it through his career without that type of season and still get drafted pretty high and have a long NFL career. It's just a very much yeah. a missed opportunity for Kentucky. Well, back to David. I'm a boo lever. I, I heard, uh, by the way, I heard uh, Susan Lax, the media relations person, quizzing him about the correct pronunciation of his name yesterday, and I still have not gotten a good answer as to some people it's have said Bouvier. Bouvier. Right? I, someone told me over the weekend that his uh, his sister goes by Bouvier, and he goes by Bouvier, and the family goes by Bouvier, and so it's it's very confusing. I bet the Bouvier, Bouvier for him is because it sounds cooler. If I was like walking up to somebody in the bar, like, what's your name? David Bouvier. Bouvier, I mean. Bouvier. See, I got it wrong. I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't no. pull it. I'm Kyle Tucker. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> but uh, let's be clear. I don't, I'm not disrespecting him. The, I think he's a really good – I mean, I am always very impressed by all these dudes who come as walk-ons and not only earn the scholarship like, oh, they got one line around, they give it to you, but they earned it. Like, right. He did things, clearly did things to earn it. Uh, Charles Walker being another one of those guys, right. like, super respect for them. I just have this personal policy uh, in terms of identifiers that if you walk onto a team, I think maybe John and I have argued about. We this have before. argued about. It. Uh, if you walk onto a team, you're a walk on forever. I mean, like it's it's not inappropriate to call you a walk on even after you've earned a scholarship, as long as I mean, especially if you denote walk on who earned a scholarship this season yeah it's 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 definitely the problem in our business is you want to be as concise as possible and, and eliminate wordiness so former walk-on gets a little wordy non-scholarship recruit is the one i've used a few times which is <laughs> it's a mouthful um but it's certainly a little complicated i think it's easy i think it's different though in football versus basketball because cal puts those guys on scholarship and takes like, them off all the time yeah. based on what's available and and uh, the gpa because you're your APR counts differently if you're on scholarship or not. Yes. Um, and so that's a situation where, you know, Johnny David or whatever is, is always a walk-on to me, even if he might have been on scholarship a couple of years. But in football, there's such a big production made out of it, and, and there's so many guys and so many other guys who are actually walk-ons. I do think it's a little bit different. That's true. And there are like 9 million walk-on, walk-on, yeah. walk-ons in football. Yeah. Who, by the way, those people deserve, like, some kind of medal of honor because to do all that with no you don't get the free meals you don't get the gear i don't think you like you basically get nothing other than your practice jersey i think it's you get the hell beat out well, of well i talked uh, to cole Mosier and i think it's improved from the way it used to be they still get some stuff but it's obviously not as much as a scholarship no basically. trips no you know it's it's rough but you get to say i'm on the team i guess uh, yeah. I, would, I would never allow myself to be physically punished for that little reward however because i'm not very manly well that's an undisputed fact <laughs> i was, you an, gotta, you gotta I was an unrecruited unrecruited non-scholarship athlete <laughs> you gotta do it for a long time too i mean david bouvier or bouvier or whatever we're calling him now had one catch in three years yeah and so he put in all that work one catch in three years and now he's a very important player for this offense but that was three years of doing all that stuff with no reward at all all right we said all that about football john so 
Do you think Kentucky's going to win at Florida? <laughs> yeah, I um, I inherited this bold predictions column before the season from Kyle. Actually, when he uh, by the way, I have not bragged about this. One of mine last year, I I, I did it even at SEC country was that it, Benny Snell would lead the SEC in rushing. I I went one for four last year, and the one I got right was uh, I think Quentin Bohanna was going to start by midseason. But one of the ones I got wrong was that Kentucky was going to end the streak against Florida. And after <laughs> had to I feel pretty good in yeah, the fourth quarter. After I picked it last year, and it ended so you know spectacularly <laughs> badly, uh, I said I'm never going to pick them again until it actually happened. So I'm sticking with that, and I am not picking Kentucky to win this week. That's fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. After I I would probably if I had the benefit of seeing. That they had seemed to have a quarterback with a pulse again, which you've already ripped me for giving any credit for five touchdowns Felipe and no interceptions against, against a, a nobody team. Nonetheless, looked a lot better than he looked all of last season. I might reverse course, but I'll stick with we we did the preseason picks. We both picked Curtis and I both picked him to win at Florida. I had that's a very low. If we were doing like confidence percentages. That would have been low on my board. Of the wins I picked for them, that would probably be my lowest confidence. Didn't you guys pick, pick like every game the same? No, we flipped it. We 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 had the same final record, but we oh, okay. we I I have them Tennessee. Uh, you have them beating Missouri, and I have them beating Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. That's our okay. only difference. I yeah. Did you have them both? Seven and five. Losing to Louisville? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I had them beating Tennessee and Louisville. You have them with the first three-game losing streaks or winning streaks in like 79. That's that's one of my bold predictions this year. There we go. You know, the spread on that game is about 15 points. (laughs) And if you're interested. Smooth transition. (laughs) And if you're interested in betting on that, get over to my bookie. Uh, listen, uh, I don't Who's know your bookie Curtis. I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you do, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys who just signed up for FanDuel, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Use promo code ONCOLLEGE to activate that this offer. That's ONCOLLEGE. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use that promo code ONCOLLEGE when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play... You win, you get paid. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Let's wrap with some basketball. We had Evan Daniels on uh, the podcast last week, and then John Hale decided to copy us. and That's, talk, that's true, I did. And, and talk to, to Evan. Um, uh, the, the big man thing, I think the way you kind of uh, phrased your, your piece is that, you know, Nick Richards is now, according to Calipari, Drawing a lot of eyes from the pro scouts, so that's another guy that's going to potentially be gone. You know, Reed Travis is definitely graduating. Everybody is kind of clear on P.J. Washington's plans. E.J. Montgomery has a lot of upside, so they're going to need a bunch of bigs. Uh, What did Evan tell you about how Kentucky are going to fill those needs? Basically that. I mean, essentially, I think it's within the realm of possibility that all four of those guys are gone after the end of the year, and so you need multiple big guys. Obviously, best-case scenario, I think, for Kentucky would still be you get James Wiseman, and Vernon Carey, uh, and you know, or one Matthew Hurt, one two of those three, but it appears Kentucky might not be the favorite for any of those guys, so they might miss on all of them too. Which is, I think, why we're seeing a little bit more movement in terms of um, 
Oscar Toshibu is that is that how we're saying it? Um, we somebody somebody tweeted at us like Schwabe. <laughs> well, Evan, <laughs> this is a great this would be a great uh, uh, blooper reel us trying to say this name that we probably could have easily found out. Evan said boo to us, but yeah. someone else told me something different. Someone else said bay. So uh, well, either way, Oscar. Yeah. Um, and so it Big O. Evan listed those four guys as as kind Aiden, of the, Iggy Hunt. Well, he, he he separated Aiden, but okay. the four of Wiseman, Carey, Hurt, and Oscar as the four priorities right now. And, and it's unclear if Kentucky has actually offered Oscar or if that's going to happen when they visit him or whatever. He's visiting later this month. But West Virginia apparently has a, a substantial lead there at this point that they're going to have to catch up. Aiden Nijahan is a guy who uh, told me that he has a Kentucky offer, but no one around the program has confirmed that yet. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Uh, I think Adam Zagoria reported that, that their, Tony Barbie, at least, is visiting then Monday in, in New York, and maybe Cal will go with him. We'll see. The Minneapolis Star Tribune actually reported yesterday that there's a six foot eleven forward Zeke Naji, who's a AAU team and Matthew Hurt, who's getting a visit from Calipari on Sunday and in home visit, maybe. So it appears that they're looking at some other guys, and they're going to need some of those. Obviously, the the algebra at that point becomes how many guys can you offer, how many guys can you push before you start to scare guys like James Wiseman and Vernon Carey, who are your top targets. And Evan didn't have a very good answer for that, and I don't have a very good answer for that, but I think it's going to be maybe the most important storyline in this 2019 class moving forward. To me, if you're like Wiseman and Carey, though, none of the none of them should scare you. Exactly. You're, you're the better option. Like, you're the top option. Cal doesn't bring in top five picks and bury them on the bench. Right. Um, the other thing I would say is, is as it's clear that they're putting out feelers, uh, if they whiff on these top guys uh, to the rest of college basketball, hide your grad transfer, big man. <laughs> because I think, uh, especially depending on how things go with Reed Travis yeah. this season, uh, which I think it's pretty predictable, barring injury, I mean, who knows what he'll do offensively. The dude's going to lead them in rebounding. Right. He's going to be a double-double guy. I think we. I think the door Pandora's box has been opened, as it were, with Cal, despite what he said in the past uh, about grad transfers. I think he's willing to swallow all the crap he'll get for for going backtracking on that, and he'll hammer the point that I'm not stealing them from mid-majors. Right. I'm taking he's- them from the other big boys. If they need anybody anywhere going forward, and maybe if they don't need them, because they didn't really need Reed Travis, uh, I think I'd be I would be very afraid if I were uh, a power conference team that wasn't super competitive that had one really good player on it who was a senior or a, you know a junior who could graduate because I think Cal is now. Uh, you know his antenna are up on that. Yeah, it seems like he's finally made that. We had the conversation when he was recruiting Travis that it, it would be such an easy argument to make. Basically, that his objection was the Drexels, the those Bruiser Flints getting hurt by this, and that's not Stanford. And so he could make that distinction. And, and at first, he didn't really do that. But then after a couple of weeks, it feels like he finally was like, oh, wait, I can just say this and get out of uh, – somebody, 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 somebody fed him the basic, really easy yeah. answer to that. Yeah, and, and so he's embraced that, and I'm, I'm right there with you. If they need a, a big guy, I think those grad transfers are going to be definitely an option too. And it's – I mean, especially in a like a, a, a Stanford-type situation or a really – you know, if you've got a kid at a school that's got a great academic reputation where that, that diploma mm-hmm. is going to hang nicely on your wall – but you want to go win big in basketball, yeah. it's a great situation. I mean, Reed Travis has got like the 
you know, one of the all-time resumes, right? Like combined resumes. I graduated from Stanford and I did basketball finishing school at the Mecca of college basketball. I think that'll be really appealing to some other people. Yeah, for sure. And and I think uh, what, whether one of these guys, it appears that Aiden Nijahun is very enamored by Kentucky. I remember we talked to him in Indianapolis the, in the spring, and it was kind of just an afterthought because I was there to talk to him about Louisville, uh, helping with some of our coverage. And he said, oh, you know, Kentucky reached out and Duke reached out. And the Duke stuff almost ended immediately. But for whatever reason, Kentucky has kind of stayed in there, even though they haven't offered. And it looked for a long time like they weren't recruiting him at all. Uh, now they have, I guess, reestablished contact, so he's a guy to watch. And I would imagine this is just me speculating that uh, if he des- if Cal decides he needs another big man, it would not hurt his feelings to go out there and uh, and steal Louisville's top target on the <laughs> yeah. Chris Max recruiting board in his first recruiting class. And, but, and it may be the one reason he's yeah. like in- continuing to sort of entertain this notion at all. Yeah. So I mean, that's something to watch. I think moving forward too. Speaking of Reed Travis. Um, John, where do you come in, Office or Seinfeld? Oh, definitely the Office. Um, I was kind of creeped out by Seinfeld as a kid a lot, <laughs> uh, which is I, mean, I, I don't know why I just, it just didn't resonate as much with me. But I have seen every episode of The Office multiple times, and so definitely pro Team Office there. And we conducted an unscientific poll on the Locked On UK Twitter feed, and The Office won fifty three percent to forty seven over Seinfeld. That's a that's an age bias yeah. right there. I mean, that's just. You don't think people who watch Seinfeld know how to use Twitter? Not as many. I guarantee you the more the the, the Twitter generation skews more towards having seen The Office in real time than, than having seen Seinfeld. Well, I, I do know that, that, speaking of age bias, you all were yesterday talking about greatest comedies of all time, and it's like MASH and all the, you know, Dick Van Dyke, all those old shows that weren't even getting mentioned, so I think we're all a little skewed That's here. true. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all biased by our personal yeah. experience. That's a good point. If, if I'm you glad want, we can if, admit it. If you want an older demographic, you should definitely check out the the Courier Journal's new Facebook UK group because we have a lot of um, of grandparents who like to share pictures of their <laughs> their grandchildren in, in UK, UK gear, which is uh, which is great for us, and we love those people because that's our our demographic. But uh, I'll, I'll ask around there and see if if, yes, if they like do what, what their favorite. <laughs> my my grandmother uh, is hilarious. My grandmother is on Facebook and. She posts all day long ridiculous memes and all these random things and just sometimes just completely random things. But also the best part is I text her lots of pictures of the kids, the, the grandbabies, and, like, they're for her. And I'm not on Facebook. I've, I've used it professionally, but I don't have a, a personal Facebook, um, and it's quite liberating. But um, people will – my other family members will be like – did you just uh, send uh, Granny Dot some uh, pictures of the babies? I'm like, yeah, why? And she's like, they're like, she's already posted a whole gallery <laughs> of your kids on Facebook. So I, I love grandparents on on uh, on social media. They're pretty awesome. You plug the Facebook group, John. Let everybody else know where they can get the rest of your Kentucky coverage. Yeah, I'm at John J O N Hale H A L E underscore C J on Twitter and um, Courier Journal dot com. Follow Kyle on Twitter for the time being. At Kyle Tucker underscore SEC, potentially with a a multiple letter um, add-on change coming. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnUK. And despite Kyle's hating of Facebook, if you like it out there, follow Locked On Kentucky. Just search it. As I mentioned, we're going to probably do some live events on there. 
If you're interested in advertising, we're just wrapping up one of our first deals with a local advertiser, uh, so that should be coming to your ears soon. Um, but if you're interested, email LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com, and we'll get you all the information you need. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.